You're listening to Let's Unpack That. Now let's get started. Welcome back to episode, I think this is five, um, of Let's Unpack That. I am your host, Cornell Woodson, and I am really, really excited um, for this episode as well because it's about a topic that I've been reading about off and on um, over the over a couple years now, actually, but never really had someone to talk about it with. And I'm joined today on this episode with one of my good friends, Alex Brown. Hi, Alex. Hello, Cornell. Hello. Thanks for being here. Um, so the other day, so Alex and I are on this uh, little uh, text message thread with some other DNI people, and we tend to text each other when we need to vent about something or ask each other a question and he talked about the speakers that that they were at Cornell yes yeah talking about what we what what they call what I've what I have read as positive psychology but then I also see growth mindset as another name for it as well um but that people are using this as a um what do you call it an intervention particularly for marginalized groups Mm -hmm. and so when he sent this text I was like oh we're doing an episode on this because I have definitely been and, um, thinking about this and and sort of how it gets postured as this end all be all. So, quick quickly, what is Alex? What is the what is growth mindset? G- give give the listeners uh, an idea of like what is this thing? What is it all about? Right. So, so there are two aspects of this. Uh, the first one is growth mindset that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And the second one is wise social psychological interventions. So the but the two are linked together. So growth mindset, um, it, it it's a lot of different it's a lot of different ideas. Uh, it's was popularized by a scholar at Stanford University, Carol Dweck. You might have seen like I think she gave a TED talk. She did a couple okay. of YouTube videos, mm-hmm. and um, it's basically the idea that you know we need to be teaching students that um, intelligence isn't fixed. That pe- that they can learn more. That it's actually possible to. Uh, they might not phrase it this way, but become smarter. That mm-hmm. it's not just the smart kids and the stupid kids, mm-hmm. um, and and all those are are really are really positive messages. Actually, I'm not disagreeing with that in any way. I'm already starting to get to my skepticism. <laughs> right, right. You know, <laughs> save that for the, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna dive into that unpacking part of it. Yeah. So so basically, it's this idea of helping because I've seen it in the sense of so belonging has become right. the big topic. Yeah everywhere in the workplace with students and uh, I know an institution that we know of um, that is really big on uh, this idea of belonging yes. and helping students particularly students of color um, and queer students and women right feel like they belong on campus or belong in the workplace right and that's where I've seen it and and so it's this idea that we are capable of reframing our minds to feel like we belong like is that it right so what you're i think what you're getting at as far as i understand it and really i'm not a you know social psychology expert here but i have you know read quite a few of these studies now and um seen some of the practical implementations of the research Mm -hmm. and so so from the growth mindset people there's this whole wider mindset scholars networks Network and the the other um, part of this is this idea, this mindset of belonging that you're getting at. Mm-hmm. So, 
just to get the nitty gritty of it, you started out talking about uh, a lecture that was at Cornell in mm-hmm. Ithaca last week. And this was a scholar from the University of Waterloo. Her name is Christine Logel, I believe. Okay. And I may be mispronouncing the last name. Okay, all right. <laughs> but um, she, she gave a really excellent presentation. And essentially, the idea is that um, if you communicate a message of belonging... As a, as a staff member, it has really specific components. And if you get students to do these, what they call wise interventions, um, then you can actually increase the students' feelings of belonging. And this is particularly important in the research they're doing with students from marginalized backgrounds. And what are some of the interventions you remember? Yeah, so a really, a really famous one was done by Stanford psychologists, um, Jeff Cohen and Greg Walton in, mm-hmm. in 2011. And they published an intervention where they had incoming uh, African-American college students uh, do... Some of them were assigned to an experimental group. Some of them were in a control group. An experimental group, they did a, 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 a sort of like self-narrative about belonging. Mm-hmm. So they were exposed to this idea that, um, you know... Actually, it's normal at first to feel like you belong. Everybody's new. Um, um, but, you know, to, to feel like, you know, lonely or to like, you're just getting in there, you don't fully get it. That's very normal, but it doesn't mean that you belong. And then at the end of that, receiving this very specific message, and there are a lot of different components to it, mm-hmm. they had to sort of write their own narrative of what it might be like for them and imagining it. Okay. And so that was the experimental group. The control group... Um, I think they, I think they still read that, but they didn't do, they didn't do the narrative. It was something like okay. that. Um, so different situations where people like felt sort of out of place, um, but they didn't do the like narrative part of it. And at the end of, at the end of four years, they found really significant differences between these groups. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, it was is actually astounding. Um, I'm not sure about the replication in that study, but on other studies that were similar, where they tried to replicate it, then. Mm-hmm. The replication didn't work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, so it, it's this it's this problem in in psychological research where, you know, you you find something that works really well with a with a small sample group mm-hmm. or in one institutional context with really specific procedures, but then it's hard to to replicate on a larger scale or in other contexts. And so, for the study where there was, there were astounding changes, and, yeah. and how many people were in that study? So that's the interesting part is um, I'm pretty sure that the the experimental group and the control group of African-American students was, it was just over 30. It was 33 or 37. I could pull up the exact numbers. And, and, but, and that was the total number between both groups. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, um, well, I'll forget what about if If a study, so I'm not a big, I like doing research. Yeah. I, I hoped, I aspire to be a yeah. better researcher. For someone who doesn't understand research, and you talked about the fact that that particular uh, study could not be replicated. Yeah. What are the, like, so what does that mean? Does that mean that that study is not good because it can't be replicated? Does it mean that those findings are crap because they, it can't be replicated or what? I, I think it means that there's a need for more research before... Okay. And especially there's a need for more research before we decide that um, this is the smoking gun. This is what we should be 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 doing. doing This is what we should be doing to scale it and to make everyone feel like they belong. And I just want to qualify. You know, I'm aware that um, 
a sample size of, of 30 statistically, if you have 30 people and mm. you're trying to do certain statistical tests, it's actually, um, it's not great, but, okay. <laughs> but it's okay. fine in terms of the statistics gotcha. and math. Gotcha. It, it works out at least. But which, but which means that even though, but still being able to replicate that is still important. Yes. If you're right. So yeah, yeah. having 30 may be okay right. for that study, but we need to do several other studies of 30 people to be able to say, wow, there's a pattern here. There's right. something here that we got, we're on to something versus, and, and I mean, I find that all the time. Like when I wrote my, um, my, I call it a thesis, but we, we didn't, it wasn't really a thesis in right. the master's program. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the studies that you read about, you know, different identity groups are always done with a very small number of people and usually a very particular population that they then try to say, oh, all people can do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think of every um, uh, uh, sexual identity development model, right? It was right. always catered or, or geared towards white gay men. Mm-hmm. But somehow everyone goes through mm-hmm. this model when they're, you know, looking at their sexual orientation yeah. and coming into that. And it's like, no, no, no. So what, you know, what other, how have you done this with people of color, with women, things that sort to really go, oh, wow. Yeah, maybe there is or no, nope, it's different. And, you know, but it's it's so annoying that, that we're allowed to do that, though. Right. I feel like that's, that's every study we've ever used does that same thing where it necessarily can't be replicated. But because it worked there, yeah. we think that it, we can just blanket it for every single group. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. And 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 like. You know, it, <laughs> we could get really deep and go into like a lot of like the the gen- generalize like how much can you really generalize? Let's do. That's fine. But <laughs> wait, but I think but I think a more relevant thing to like your 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 podcast and our conversation is mm-hmm. more. Um, it goes back to this this uh, 2011 study, but also to the work that um, I think it's the this college transition collective that uh dr logal at waterloo is a part of Mm -hmm. that they're doing that's actually with a much larger sample size so we're talking about like um at least you know at least a thousand wow um in that case and so what they're doing there is they've it's not just incoming african-american students it's um i think first generation students white or of color Mm. lower income students so they're, they're trying to get a lot of different groups the nuances of yeah that. right right I- involved in and then they're trying to what they're trying to do is actually um pretty comprehensive in terms of the intention mm-hmm. so they they have they're trying to deploy this as an online module mm-hmm. where students are doing this alone at their computer and they're so they'll read stories about times when somebody felt like um kind of like they didn't belong right. or it would it um they weren't in the right place a little yeah. bit of imposter syndrome like right. those kinds of themes but then the narrative switches and it always does this it's sort of like um but you know i realized this was normal and everyone feels this way and i talked to other students yeah. and they told me they had felt that way and um and you know in the end now that i'm looking back i just really want other people to know how normal this is to go through these things mm-hmm. and um, that it is possible, you know, even if you struggle at first to get better. So they're all really positive messages. Right, right. And then after, so after they see that again, they they write their own narrative. Some of them in the experimental group, right? Mm. And then there's this control group where they don't write the narrative. Um, and I think they have like a bigger control group. I'm probably in the study. The you know, I'm getting the details of the study a little bit wrong. But in any case, they they compare to other students who didn't do any of this. Okay. 
and they what they did find, um, at least in the preliminary data she presented, was you know some modest positive differences in the people who who did the intervention, gotcha. right? Like so so that's good, but then you know the question is she didn't. There's this idea of effect size, yeah, in statistics. So right. Right. so you can have you can have. Um, a very small difference mm-hmm. that nevertheless registers is st- statistically significant. Right, right. But then the next thing you have to ask about is effect size, which is saying, um, you know, is this new average really so much different from the old average that mm-hmm. it's that it's like um, that it's you know that the two groups are are really significantly different from gotcha. one another. Gotcha. And she didn't present any of those numbers, so I can't really speak to that. Mm-hmm. But. I think I feel like from our conversations, sort of what's what the rub is on this yeah. has to do more with the messaging. Right, 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 and, and and that because it sounds like for me when I whenever I've read this stuff and read articles or whatever about this stuff, it's always about it feels as if the onus has been being put on the marginalized individual or group that you feel this way. It is natural, but you have the power to change how you feel about what and how you feel about belonging in a particular community or space. Um, and and that for me, it feels like it's blaming you, right? Like, you know, you've we're blaming all of us because, I mean, I will say it's saying that we all feel this way. My issue is that, no, I would argue that not everyone feels that way all the time. And that, yes, while there is work for marginalized groups such as people of color, queer people, yet yes, I must do my self-work to remind myself of how amazing I am, how awesome I am, and I do belong here and I earned my right to be here. Mm-hmm. We cannot disregard the impact that systems of oppression Absolutely. such as racism and sexism, homophobia, yeah. transphobia have on these individuals that that work to uh, counteract the self-work that they're trying to yes. do. Right. Right. You know, we have parents, you know, all across the world who try to teach their children. You are awesome. You are amazing. You are strong. And they're doing that because they know the world is going to be telling them otherwise. So my issue with it, I don't know what your issue is, but my issue is the fact that it doesn't give you both those truths. Right. It just gives you no. All you got to do is do these interventions and you'll be fine. Yeah. This will be over soon. Things get better. (laughs) Right. right. It gets better. (laughs) Yes, it can to the extent. Right. 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 Me as a black person, I've had to do a lot of hard work Mm -hmm. to be able to look in the mirror and say, I love who I am. I love my body. I love my black skin. I love yeah. the, my melanin. I love my baldness. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I love all these things about me. However, there are times when the system pushes back against my my um, uh, my uh, self confidence. Yeah. And and there's there, there's that those moments where I'm like, I don't belong here. Right. So how are we addressing that stuff? Right. And and I'm I appreciate that you brought up like these bigger systems and the beliefs that people are socialized with and the way that that manifests itself, whether it's microaggressions or macroaggressions, um, basis of race or gender, sexual orientation or disability. Right. Right. So on the note of disability, an example that, um, so at the end of this lecture, this, the scholar, um, offered an example of a student who had gone to a professor with, their student disability services mm-hmm. letter asking for accommodations mm-hmm. and the professor crumbled it up in front of the student. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. So 
then the, the, you know, scholar reiterated, okay, so in these situations, when a student comes to you, you know, you can reiterate like a belonging message. And, um, and so, so some of the features of that are, um, you know, I've sort of gone through it, but more generally, you know, to represent difficulties as normal and temporary, encourage students to attribute the cause of difficulties in college to universal and temporary factors, balance, balancing positive and negatives, um, you know, telling stories that emphasize growth, growth and, um, that there's a flexible timeline for growth. Mm. And the other one that she added to it was, um, this idea of a few bad apples. Mm. So like in general, Oh, I see you reacting to that. I just rolled my eyes at that one. The few bad apples. It's it's just some white people who are bad. Right. It's just some men who are bad. Not all of us. Right. And it's like, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. There's a culture of sexism. There's a culture of racism. That even some well-intentioned... Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. (laughs) This is immediately what was going through, you know, uh, my mind. And I saw several people around me reacting to... Yeah. Um... And, and so, you know, the question I had and asked was like, well, when we, you know, what do we do for the professor who thinks it's okay to crumble up exactly. that, the letter, right? What do we, what do we do for, you know, people who, who think it's okay, um, to perpetuate colorblindness right. as an idea that... We don't see What's color intervention. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I mean, because, you know, I'm trying to go for something a little less explicit because yeah, yeah, I yeah, think that yeah. one's like kind of pervasive right now, right, and right. some people still don't see that as harmful. Yeah, and what, what's so annoying to me about it is that we are so much, we're so willing to point to the marginalized groups and tell you you need to do something about right. how you feel, but we yeah. will never do strategic and very pointed interventions to tell people who are being who are expressing their hate and sometimes their unconscious bias right. um to say uh you need to deal with your shit yes because you are making people like both those things again i am all for teaching people of color women queer folk trans people about how to love themselves, right? Yeah. If you can't love yourself, how the hell going, right? The whole RuPaul thing, right? Oh, yeah. Or my favorite, um, who who just said this quote? It was somebody else. It, oh, it was Jennifer Lewis, who's a famous uh, African-American actress. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. I mean, she, she said, um, learn to love yourself so that when love, so love is not a stranger when it comes. I love that quote. That's and I, I'm that, that definitely my, my next tattoo. Um, <laughs> and um, so I'm, I'm all about that. I, I totally believe that we must learn to have self-love yeah. and that our own savings account of love needs to be mm-hmm. built up mm-hmm. right yeah um because when the world tells us that we ain't shit right. we need to have that however it is not the end all be all no right because the world will, will eat away at that savings right of oh love, yeah and eventually we'll begin to break you down and and we can't just allow them to just continue roaming around doing what they want to do but it oh but the onus is on us to, to change the way we you know feel about ourselves and that's it like that's right. bullshit and then the, I think the other thing for me too is um you know I did teach for America when I graduated from undergraduate school right. and uh, or from college and um one of their tenets was locus of control mm-hmm. um particularly because you know working in a public school system can be hard and they oh, wanted yeah. yeah and they wanted people going into the classroom being mindful of what is your locus of control 
Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to change the principal. You're not going to be able to change policy within the school district. What can you control? And I feel like that's I, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of that from this. Yes. All, all of the science here um, of like what is in your locus of control. Right. And to some extent, I understand that I'm, I'm not going to be able necessarily to change that heterosexual man's opinion about homosexuality. Yeah. Right? right. But I can impact how I see myself. I get it. But to me, like I always say in all our workshops, two truths at the same time. Yes. I have work to do, and so the hell do they. Yes, and yes. And where is all the research of y'all telling them what the hell they need, they need to be doing? Where are their damn interventions? And when are these universities going to start imploring some of these damn interventions towards these these people who love, who bought up people's uh, student disability letters? Yeah. And, like, come on. Like, yeah. what what are we doing here? Right. Yeah. And, and for the record... Um, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm aware of and, and uh-huh. perhaps involved in with some with some interventions that you know try oh, right, try right. to mm-hmm. try to address uh, <laughs> uh, the the privilege side of things. So so maybe they're maybe you know coming into it, I had you know my little bias or whatever. Uh-huh, yeah. However, um, I I just think everything you said um just really hits the nail on the head. Yeah. And and what I think what. What really frustrates me about research like this is that it presents itself as objective, right. scientific research, um, or if not that, then something that's like, you know, sort of um, aiming for a positive change without being motivated by any ideology or yeah. something. And it actually, we just need to think a little bit about the assumptions that you like that you just laid out that mm-hmm. are being made and and doing this research and creating focusing all this energy on these interventions right, right, right. to see that there is qu- quite a bit of um you know uh, at least a you know a thrust in one in one specific direction yeah, right yeah. like maybe you can't identify a specific ideology behind it but like clearly there's some motivation here and it goes in the direction of the assumption being, okay, the problem is with, you know, the folks in the marginalized group needing mm-hmm. to get their mm-hmm. mindset right. Right, right. Or with the, you know, with the with the growth mindset. Well, if they just think that, if, if, if they just think that they are, you know, able to learn more and get smarter, then, they, then they'll work harder right. and they, and you know, their grades will be better and the achievement gap will close. Right. And it's like, oh yeah, you think so? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> and, and, and it also doesn't examine that like this idea of achievement is totally defined by uh, people who have been in power, people who've historically had access to resources exactly. and power, exactly. white folks, um, upper class folks. Uh, men and 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 definitely you know people coming from a certain position who want the education system and want what achievement means in education exactly. to look a certain way. And this is about this is about strategically created systems that were yeah. meant to have marginalized yes. groups feel the way they feel. These systems didn't want us to feel like we belong. And it worked yeah. because we don't, right? Right, and and so just thinking that oh, yeah. I'm so, I just need to change how I see myself is somehow going to erase hundreds of years yeah. of intentional creation of these systems right. that were meant to serve in this capacity yes. is bonkers to me, absolutely right. bonkers. And I think furthermore, it gives more ammo to people who go see it's it's y'all, yeah, it's not us, it it's you, yeah, you're the reason why you're you're 
you know, in a situation. And, you know, to bring up Kanye, right? The whole, you know, <laughs> slaves were enslaved because they they chose to be there. It was a choice yeah. to remain enslaved. It's just like, you know, that, that that was my same issue, you know, with him. I had, a, I had a conversation with a friend who was just like, no, I just think that, no, 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 no you don't think shit, right? Yeah. That shit is problematic to have a black man sitting here saying that slaves chose. Yeah to be enslaved giving people to go look mm-hmm. one of yours even said it yeah y'all could have just walked away it was more of you than it was of them forgetting the systems yes that were put into place to to break their minds to break their spirits yeah to make them feel like that they had no choice you think about that with women who are abused by their mm. uh partners particularly usually male but partners right it seems like it happens within same-sex relationships as well but by they break them mm-hmm. they isolate them i was just watching um uh the assassination of gianni versace and the scenes with um uh andrew cunanan who was the, the who guy who killed uh gianni versace his father targeted him as a young boy isolated him from his mom isolated him from his siblings isolated him from anyone who potentially he could listen to or that could save him Mm. and and targeted him broke his spirit yeah that's intentional and that's what these systems did they intentionally broke our spirits broke our minds right to the point where um you know made us feel like we didn't belong and that we weren't worthy yeah again I agree. There is work that we can do to counteract that. But we cannot say that that's the end of be all. Something has to be done about the still intentionality that remains within this society that is meant to keep us constantly broken. Yeah. No, that's, that's, you know, it's, totally just, it's, right. it's wild to me that yeah. people don't see that um, and, and don't want to acknowledge yeah. it. And I think they don't want to acknowledge it because they then not have to do something about it. Right. And, and um i'm just i'm just like taking i'm taking in like your synthesis yeah, of yeah, many many yeah. years I, of I history bad shit out there no 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 it's 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 all it's all right on though and i think what what you just what you just got on what you said was power is involved here yes and we're talking about you know certain social groups historically having power literally having power over um other social groups like you know um white slave handlers having power over and plantation owners having power over black chattel slaves or the more, you know, sort of micro instances of, of uh, domestic abuse or emotional abuse. that you're talking about that Mm -hmm. is someone having power over someone else. And so, so we can't, you know, we can't neglect the question of power, whether it's, whether it's on the interpersonal level or on the bigger, like structural level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and even the mm. violence that sometimes is used against you yeah. when you dare think you're bad enough. You look at these, you know, all these videos of these black people being being beaten and killed. Yeah. They were bold. They knew their worth. They knew that this was wrong. And I'm going to speak up about it. Right. I yeah. think of, um, and I'm blanking on her name, uh, Sandra, Sandra. Sandra Bland. Yes, uh, yeah, Sandra Bland. She was bold. She was letting that cop know. No. Right. right? She, she would, she, you could argue. Right, that she had a positive view on who she was, and she knew her rights. Yes. Look what look look what it got her. So yeah. her her confidence didn't save her life. Right. Yeah. You think of all the other black men who have said, "So can you explain to me why you're stopping me? Can you explain to me? Yeah. No, I'm not giving you that." Right. It, it's it's there, but still, systems mm-hmm. of racism mm-hmm. work to make sure that even when you do think highly of yourself, right. I'm gonna I'm show you 
what happens to you when you choose to, to do that. Yeah. Something has to be done on both sides. Yeah, definitely. And, and, um, uh, the, that, that work, that work in terms of like, you know, change, changing the structure, um, and whether that's in policing or education, politics, whatever realm we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, really is critical. And, and, um, I hope you don't mind if I please shift go. a little yeah, with, which I just want to talk about, um, this, because you're talking about sort of the, the structural change, like what can change there. So there is a scholar associated with this broader mindset, um, scholars network. Her name's Stephanie Freiberg. She's at the university of Washington mm-hmm. and, um, she grew up on a on an American Indian reservation, mm. and um, and so she studied with with some of these prominent folks at, at Stanford, and then actually went back and did a uh, culturally situated intervention okay. of some of the, of some of these practices, mm-hmm. and and so her you know her whole point is we you. You also can't take one of these interventions mm-hmm. and not think about the the context you're doing it right, in. Right, right. Like not, and also not think about the the intergroup, intercultural right. dimension of this. Right. And her, she has a great lecture and where she she talks about just complete differences in indigenous students. Um, you know, ideas of self versus community mm-hmm. and uh, European American students' okay. ideas of self versus mm-hmm. community as mm-hmm. one example. She's really great, yeah. really, really intense data for it. So she actually used, she learned a ton about her own community and about, um, you know, European American uh, students and the differences there, and then developed this, this whole framework um, for an elementary school that's mostly staffed by white European American staff mm-hmm. members. Mm-hmm. And then they implemented that and integrated, you know, um, uh, more more of the Amer- American Indian and, and Native American, you know, concepts of, of self and community, mm-hmm. different different rituals that were signaling that to the students, mm-hmm. different songs that the that the elders mm-hmm. um, um, helped them all learn, and and then also you know reframed the way that that the teachers were thinking about. The yeah. students too. Yeah, yeah. That oh well, my that the teachers also need to re- reframe their mindset about yes. the students. Yes, that's the big point she makes. Huge differences before and after the intervention. Mm. Huge differences with the with the students who were experiencing this, and I think they're still doing it at that school to wow. this day. And um, they went to something like. Uh, uh, the top in this school district where they're also you know, competing against, uh, kind of wealthy, uh, suburban Seattle kids mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. So it, it wow. is a, so she, she's so, doing it so, in a so, different so approach. So not only did she do it and found significant differences, but now she was able to replicate it and continue to find those differences. So it, it's definitely working at this school. At that school. school. So in it'd be interesting case. to see it if it's at, right. a, at a different school. Yeah. But even still, she's able to do it with different groups within that school and yeah. it's worked. So, so there's, so, so there's some level of, uh, heightened level of strength in that intervention yeah because at least it was with different groups i I would be curious to see if you know in a different Mm -hmm. city in a different right because that context matters um if that works or what tweaking might need to happen but it doesn't sound like she's trying to posture it to say oh this works for everyone everywhere she's saying right here this is where it works and that's the difference yes it is a difference and she's also you know she's also being 
she's thinking like what are the needs of the this specific group yeah um what's the cultural specificity that i have to keep in mind yeah. um just yeah. it's so there's so much more nuance and complexity there cultural competency right? yes yeah, like basic <laughs> level type stuff um, you sent me a link to a youtube video of, of hers i'll probably put that in the notes okay um for this podcast yeah. so people can look at it um if they want to but yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think either of us are trying to say that, no, no. you know, right. we shouldn't be teaching kids or people to have positive outlooks on themselves and have self-confidence. That's not what we're saying here. It's two truths at the same time, right? That, yes. Yes, we have our stuff that we need to do, and other people, exactly. uh, groups that are, have power and privilege, must also have some interventions that we need to be aggressive about right. implementing for them right. as well, as opposed to always focusing on the work that we have to yeah. do. Um, to change our mindset about who we are when that's not only part that's not that's part of the problem yep it's part of the problem and it's, it's just not enough and I'm just I'm just getting really frustrated sometimes I wonder you know as a DNI educator and consultant like how much longer can I do this right mm-hmm. like you know very where, where organizations particularly higher education and you know even corporate right are just not ready to do what needs to be done to truly address the toxic behavior that ruins Mm -hmm. environments, ruins environments. And it's just annoying because I'm ready for somebody to take a really strong stand that you're not going to do that here. And if that's what you're about, then you must go. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for someone to to finally take that stand, and mm-hmm. maybe someone has, and I just never haven't seen the story. Yeah, and so if you're listening and you know of an example of a CEO or a president that of a university or college that was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you you got to go. I would well actually I can think of one. What was the um, Oklahoma? Remember it was the guys uh, who were on the bus saying they'll never be a. Uh, n-word and and sie or sc remember it was a white fraternity group oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and and the president was like oh not here that's not right and he's and took their house away and those those those, they got kicked out right um and to me that was such a i I think i have to admit when i first saw i was like yeah but we're just shifting the issue they're just going to another institution they're going to continue doing the same thing um but a lot of people and i kind of still feel that way but a lot of people were kind of like yeah but his locus of control is his his university, his organization, right. um, and if people are not open and willing to change and 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 look into their heart and consider their behaviors, then you don't belong here because this right. is what we value. So that's the closest example I have yeah. of a of a ma- of a leader saying no no no. And that was Oklahoma, yeah, right, saying no 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 no. Right, you won't be doing that here, and you must go because mm-hmm. you're you're not you and but no other organization I've ever known. Is willing to do that because they're always afraid. And that was a white fraternity. Right. You can imagine that some of their alumni would donate some significant bucks. Oh, I bet. Right? But yeah. even still, he was like, no. Now, I don't know what happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. Right? That was just what was public. We, who knows what happened afterwards and behind closed doors. But I would like to think that and hope <laughs> that what happened happened and it was stuck. Right. Right? But I think we're not... I think our society is not willing to risk losing anything in order to get to the world that we're trying to create. And when I say mm. that, and I particularly talk about the higher ed sphere, because that's, that's the world I know, right. that we're always worried about, well, yeah, so if my message is too aggressive and too direct, yeah. I'm going to piss off some really wealthy donors. Right. And then right, and then we lose their money. But my thing is, if you're going to be pissed off about me talking about racism and institutionalized racism, mm-hmm. do I want your money? Mm-hmm. Do I want you a part of my community? Probably not. 
No. Right? But we're not willing to lose that. We're not willing no. to lose anything in order to really, really make the kind of change that we need to see. It's it's just it's exhausting and it's frustrating and I'm sure there are people listening who are like yup yup I yeah I get it so yeah. what so what do we do <laughs> what do we do because I I, I want to work myself out of a job I want to yes. I, I want to get to a point where they go oh, yeah bro it's time to close your doors because there's nothing else that you can do we're good and that's it but at this rate I don't think we'll ever that we will always need diversity and inclusion yeah. will people want to buy it that's a different story right. But there will always be a need for it, and that frustrates me. Yeah, it it, it frustrates me too, and um, and I I think one of this, you know, this is sort of a claim that goes beyond, you know, the scientific method being right. able to falsify and uh-huh. test and blah blah blah. But my my main my main issue with um sort of the like one and done interventions is mm-hmm. i think they're you know i think a lot of the time they are there to sort of stabilize things and and reduce conflict mm-hmm. so what i what i think um you know does a better job and i'm biased because i'm a practitioner of it mm-hmm. but I, I mean i think dialogue it doesn't always have to be between groups because right. that can be exhausting for right. people who are not ready to go yep. into it but it could be the in- situation inward. yeah but it can be an intra-group dialogue yeah, exactly um university of michigan has has done uh uh dialogues around the white identity they have yeah and they presented some of the research at a conference at cornell last year and they, they found pretty similar outcomes from that dialogue um, compared to their, their intergroup, intergroup model where they would have people of color and white folks coming together. We're going to talk more about that offline because I have a project I'm working on. Let's <laughs> uh, talk about that offline. Perfect. I have been searching and couldn't find anything. So that's interesting. Yeah. I knew Michigan had the intergroup dialogue right. and that's where it originated. Yes, right. So I right. knew that, but I hadn't heard about this. So. That okay. We'll talk about that offline because that that, that that's really interesting. I was yeah. looking for information about that. Yeah. Um. I but think, yeah. I th- I think right. beyond beyond dialogue though, you know, um, there are there are other forms of social action, um, and and like yeah, you, the thing that you're saying about need needing to be willing to give something up, mm-hmm. I, I think is really important, and and sometimes it's just it's. Not even give anything up tangible, right? But just like, just your your idea, mm-hmm. your 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 like your fantasy of it, or your attachment of what you might be losing of the like, world as you knew it, right? Right? Yeah. That's that's really I think a lot about what it's about of people's unwillingness to change. That I've always known the world to be this way, right. or the guilt that comes with needing to acknowledge that as a man I mm-hmm. have been um, implicit. Is that the word? Yeah, implicit, complicit, whatever, child. Uh, <laughs> I have been a part of systems of oppression. Yeah, I have been a part of the oppression yes. of women in workplaces. Yes. And I remember my first time, those who sat through my, my workshops, and if you're listening, you heard the story before, but I remember when I was in graduate school, and one of my really good friends, we're still really good friends, um, you know, you're in a cohort model in this program, yeah. and I talked a lot in class, you know, all the time, whatever. I had things to say, so I said yeah. And um, she comes up to me in the middle of dorm break, and she was just like, you know, your male privilege takes up a lot of space. And I was like, excuse me? Male privilege? Damn male privilege. Right? Like, I'm, I'm one of the good ones. Right? right. I'm, I'm, that's them over there. That's those right. men over there. Not yeah. me. But not only that, it's also dealing with the fact that I felt like she was telling me that I never struggled. 
and that I didn't work my ass. Mm-hmm. I'm scared, which I think most people, when they hear that power privilege right. type of conversation, right. they go, no, 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 no. I, I worked hard to get here. Ain't nobody saying you didn't work hard. Right. We're just saying that there are some things you ain't got to think about because yes. of the identities that you hold, yes. and that is privilege. Right. And and um, I, I, I really like like that you tell that story so openly. Um, you know, I, I have some stories of when I was in high school, racially integrated high school, being yeah. a white guy and yeah, yeah, doing yeah, some yeah, things yeah. I'm not very proud yeah. of. Me, I, I have more <laughs> stories of, of things I'm not proud of, right? Yeah. And, and, and so, so there, there is like that individual level of accountability that's so important. And then also with the, the privileged conversation, it's also helping people understand, you know, um, like you're saying, we're, we're not saying you didn't work hard. We're just saying there's a whole system in place, yeah. a system of unearned advantage mm-hmm. based on your social group membership mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that, um, that then, you know, allows you to, to have advantages that other people don't have. Right. And you don't even realize it's happening because you just take it for granted. Right. Right. And I just take it for granted. I should be using I statements. Right. This is all about me too. I'm going to say us, we, yes. take, that, that's what I always say in my workshops, we take things yes. for granted, right? Yeah. All, every last one of us have some form of of uh, privilege right. uh, and identity that po- puts us in a certain position that other people may not be in, right? Whether it's socioeconomic status, gender, sexual orientation, ability status, like all those different things. There's some form of privilege that, that, that we all hold, um, and I just need people to be. You know, that's why I love Brene's Brown, Brene Brown's work so yeah. much about vulnerability to be able to acknowledge, like, okay, yeah, I have made mistakes, I have messed up. It doesn't make me an evil person, but it does mean that I have some work to do. Mm-hmm. There's some things that I need to unpack. Why does that thought pop into my head mm-hmm. when I see a black man walking right. down the street? Why does that pop into my head when I see a group of black people being loud? Why does it pop into my head when I see a woman, you know, or a person or a trans? Why do I assume that person's gender? Why do I, why do I think to ask that trans person about their body? Oh my god. Right? Like, yeah. why is, why do I need to know all that? Why is that any of my business? Right. Right. And to be able to step back before I speak and act and go, yes. whoa, why? Is that necessary? Do I, do, do I need to know that? Right. Right. And they go, mind your business. Yeah. Right. Like that inner dot. I do it all the time. I always tell mm-hmm. people, if you ever see me in a workshop and I have my finger over my mouth, that's me saying, Cornell, shut up. Because I, I learned years ago that I am more likely to interrupt a woman mm-hmm. when she's speaking than I would a man, if I do at all. Right. And I had to come to that realization. And it, it, it hurt for me to go, whoa, no, no, not me, not me, not, not me, not me, not, mm-hmm. not me. I don't do that. No, I'm one of the good ones. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, you're a good person, but you still got some shit. And so what do I do when, when I feel the urge to interrupt, to go, mm, shut up. Mm-hmm. She ain't done yet. Yep. Your time will come. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, someone else may have something to say. Be quiet. So It's so relatable. <laughs> and, and also... Um, a thing I realized in a very recent workshop was like the 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 part of that you said the unwillingness to interrupt men. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so um so actually recently like when men are just going on and on about something like holding forth, I've actually tried to like interrupt and say thank you, like thank uh-huh. you very much. Like yep. we want to make sure there's time for other yep, folks. Exactly, to speak to. exactly. <laughs> no, you ain't gonna sit here and just take up all this damn right. space. <laughs> Shut you down too, yeah. right? Um, yeah, it's, it's it's so, and I get it because I've been in that position yeah. where it's like no, but I've worked hard, or no, but I'm, I'm right. a good person. I've been there, but we have to get rid of this idea that no one's perfect. Yeah, and I think the quicker we can accept that, the more we can acknowledge that. Okay, I'm gonna do things that, that are problematic, and I, I just need to own them. Mm. I need to own them and do something about it. Yeah, the action piece is really important. Um, but then you have people who just blatantly like don't care. 
Right. Right. And I don't don't even get me started on what the intervention is for them. To me, it's like then I don't want you a part of my community. Mm. And I think that's totally. I think people are always like, no, 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 like no, no. I don't. If you're gonna be blatantly sexist, homophobic, transphobic, and xenophobic, and all kinds of phobic, I don't want you a part of my community. Mm. If there's if there's no hope for you to even sit here and think about why what you're doing and saying is problematic, I don't want you here. Right. Um, hmm. I, I think that that is what a, a, one of the interventions. That is allowed to be used, hmm. right? Yeah. Like, I, I get it. Everyone's feeling the need to be community and, you know, right. we, 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 we want to change their heart. I've tried that. Yeah. If, you, if you're not open to that, I'm not going to sit here and keep coming to the table when you won't join me. Yeah. Then at some point, you got to go because this is the world that we're trying to create. Now, if we're thinking about society, I don't know where we're going to put them. I guess there's some deserted island. <laughs> Maybe that we just pick them up and put them on the island. I don't know. Whatever. But... You get what I'm saying. That I, I think I there are. You're I, think, I think there are many interventions that need to be implored at the same time. Yeah, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt that if I open up an opportunity for us to have conversation, that you will come to the table, you will meet me at the at that mm. table, and you will be open to hear what I'm trying to say, and that we can work together. Yeah, but you have, you just have some people who just do not care. Yeah, they don't want to hear it. They could care less. Oh well, that's your problem. That's your mindset. Right. What do we do with that then? Yeah, um, I mean, I think about this question a lot myself. Yeah, as somebody with like people in my family, mm. uh, my very you know mostly white family. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> where where people are um, people are espousing beliefs and and rhetoric that I very much disagree with and think it hurts a lot of different social groups, especially like people color, yeah, women. Um, I think they learn not to talk about queer people around me, maybe. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so for me, uh, well, first of all, it's different if it's like you're, my family member versus like kind of rando on the street it can be it can be i've had some people say it's harder with family than it is with strangers right right yeah 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 true some people like if it's a stranger i'm never gonna see them again so i'll cuss them out and and keep walking my family i gotta see them at the next thanksgiving dinner and some people like no my family i can do that all day yeah strangers no (laughs) yeah i'm i'm more the the second camp (laughs) yeah but but i still think like just i think the stakes are so high in terms of racism and white supremacy and and um, this is this is the point where like like working with my in my own group is yeah. really important that you know if there if there is that that white person who's really having a hard time with yeah. the race stuff uh-huh. like I almost feel like there's a responsibility there for me yes to do something I agree I and, and like, there's <laughs> for me as a man when I have other men right. who are struggling it's my as a man my yeah. responsibility to, yeah. to to teach them yeah, yeah. I, I agree so I it's agree. but it's it's hard because. It's hard because because at the same time, I'm I'm there with you on like um, this thorny question of like okay like what do what are we what are we doing with folks who just like don't right. who don't want to try don't even want to come to the table yeah right yeah. like what do we do with them and to me no matter talking is going to work for them mm. they they are set and they are happy where they are and they don't give a damn mm-hmm. something something has to be done yeah the other thing I want to talk about before we close. Is we've been talking a lot about sort of uh, groups with power and privilege who talk about this growth mindset, and it's your fault that you feel this mm-hmm. way, or you just need to work on yourself. I've also seen it with people a part of the marginalized group 
who had been like, no, 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 we ain't talking about that. Screw white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Nah, nah, nah. We we gonna uplift ourselves, mm-hmm. and it's like. But that's not. We can't ignore that racism is real. <laughs> like I, I, I worked at another institution, another large institution, mm-hmm. um, somewhere else before coming here, and uh, I got into a, a little bit of a tiff with an African American man who was talking about that and didn't call it growth mindset, but was talking pretty much that. That's exactly what it was. Is what mm-hmm. he was talking about. I'm like, yeah, but but how do we prepare our students about racism? He's like, ah, and he like stopped me in the middle of my of my comment. I'm like, no, 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 we ain't worried about that. We would be talking about this. And I'm like, okay, but <laughs> those things are still going to come at them. Hmm. So, yeah, we can teach them to be proud, but we also got to teach them to combat that stuff. Right. So even when it's in-group people who believe mm-hmm. that this is the end-all, be-all, and this is what we need to do, yeah. to me, is a whole other animal, right? Because yeah. now, I don't know, and I don't know what to make of that, Um but it's just really frustrating. It's like, we can't forget that these issues exist. Yeah. At all. I don't know. I don't so, know. so, um, where, like, what assumptions did you have about, like, where he was coming from when he said that? For me, I think in, in the moment, I was like, you crazy, but, or, or excuse me, <laughs> that's, that's ableist. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you're wild. Um, but I think looking back now, I think that people were just exhausted. Mm. I think that people are tired of talking, you know, I was re. Did I buy the book or did, was it an article? Um, it might have been a book that was written by someone that said, why I don't talk to white people about race. Yes. And I think people were just tired. I'm tired as a person of color talking about white people, talking to white people about race. I'm tired talking to men about sexism, right? Mm-hmm. You name it. And so, again, it's going back to that locus of control. What do I actually have control over? I have control of how I look at myself in the mirror. Right. right? I have control over my self-love. Yeah. And if I can focus on that, and win that, mm-hmm. that's a win for me. Right. Right. And could possibly change my entire outlook on, on, on life. Yeah. I think about some of the work that, you know, um, uh, schools like Spelman and Morehouse do. They they teach oh, their yeah. students to love themselves. Yes. I have met so many Spelman and Morehouse graduates, and you can't tell them a damn thing about themselves. They were like, I am the flyest thing. And, 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 and I loved it. But I would love to know how does that stack up when you, when, you know, after constant hit after hit after hit of microaggression and overt yeah. racism and sexism and stuff like that, how does that stand up to that, to that kind of system? I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know. Yeah. You know what I mean, and I think the thing the thing we're, we keep, that you keep coming back to, and I think I'm really interested in too, is like, you know, it's this question of focusing on the inv- individual mm-hmm. versus focusing on like the structure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, focusing on the individual versus focusing on the institutions. Mm-hmm. And um, and so yeah, so when I hear you like pose that question for me too, I wa- I wonder. Um, and when he told that story about this this person um, not wanting to talk about racism, this man of color not wanting to talk about racism um, at the previous institution he worked at, like I'm I'm just asking myself, okay, so like, um, what what happens then to these structures that yeah. other folks are still coming in contact with and still right. really experiencing as oppressive right. and a barrier to their right. their belonging right. um, that that are that offer real barriers yeah. that you will not get promoted 
Yeah. If a white person who is racist doesn't want, and you can have all the self love you want, right? <laughs> but if I am racist as a as a as a white man, or if I'm sexist as a man, yeah. and I don't want you woman to be up a, up on my level, I'm gonna keep you there. Yeah. That's real. You, that's not something that's just fake. Right. That that that's real. And no matter no amount of self self confidence, they're gonna change that. Yeah. So again, two truths at the same time. Yes. I don't know, child. I feel like we can talk about this all day, all night. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Your mind looks like it is rolling. Like you, it, I, I have, I, can I have, tell now. I have like 80,000 80, things in my head. <laughs> but I think, I think the other one is just like, um, you know, there are in addition to like you know the the explicit racist the explicit sexist mm-hmm. there there's all the implicit unconscious stuff going on right, too right. so even even in the times where we're where we're intentionally you know going for something like diversity or inclusion yeah. there's still all the stuff that we've internalized from out there yeah. that that um that make us that make us uh work against groups who who historically have not you know had access to resources have not had power yeah yeah. um and that chip away at how you see yourself yes right imposter syndrome is real yeah Yeah, (laughs) right i had lots of self-confidence i'm sure many of my friends will tell you cornell is very confident himself Mm -hmm. but there are bouts where there are times where i'm like my imposter syndrome kicks my ass right where i'm like no i'm not good enough for that no, I'll never be. No, yeah. right? Yeah. But I'm confident. Yeah, but there. I know you're confident. Right, 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 <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. You do one of the things I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> but th- it does not mean that that the systems that that yeah. put this imposter syndrome on me that it doesn't come up. Totally. So I don't. You know. Yeah, and and um, and I mean, and for those who don't know what imposter syndrome is, right. do you want to do you want to define? what imposter syndrome is maybe i'll I'll tell like just another personal story to like because i thought you you just illustrated it well kind of with your story and and then the story i was just going to say is like um so i went to my 10-year high school reunion i saw that in the text message i was like (laughs) okay 10 years (laughs) am i older than you i think so oh wow okay i'm like my 10 year was a while ago so i'm like oh snap (laughs) i know the hair would fool you (laughs) you got more hair than me so (laughs) so um so i was at but i was at this reunion and i was just like oh my god the place i'm from is so different from cornell yeah yeah from cornell university and and i i think i only then you know uh almost five years after starting a grad program Mm -hmm. at cornell could put a name on you know i was like oh my god i had total imposter syndrome when i got to cornell because like um the high school i went to the 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 kinds of expectations that were set for students there even quote unquote you know the top Mm -hmm. students were not the expectations or the 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 standards that I know the students I teach had at their high school. Right, right, right. Time. So the standards at your high school were lower. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um and, and and so so it was just it was just sort of, and I'm not saying that that's for lack of good teachers or people yeah. with amazing intentions and things like that. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Absolutely. But but it, you know, it was just it is one of those things where really feeling like Oh man, I don't I don't belong in a grad program at an Ivy League school. Mm-hmm. Like uh like this is this is the wrong thing for me. Yeah. Um and even with people telling me, "Oh, it's normal to feel that way." Like right, right. you know, um you'll get through it. Like mm-hmm. I got through it too. Like it's, you know, I'll just say for me that that wasn't enough. It, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, um, and maybe, you know, I, I know one thing I've seen you do in your practice a lot that, mm. that, um, that I try to do with, with students when I'm advising them in, in sort of these situations is, is to model a little bit of vulnerability about, mm. about these situations yeah, yeah, so yeah. that they, they know like, like some, someone in my, someone in my, um, grad committee told me, um, you know, at my, like one of my last formal things I had to do in my grad program mm-hmm. that he was a first gen college student yeah. and felt like he didn't belong when yeah. he was in grad school. I'm like, well, I wish someone would have told me that, like, right, you know, long right. ago. It would have just made it a lot more relatable. now it's community. Now right. I know what I'm feeling the way I'm yes. feeling. I can come to you and go, so how did you do this? Right? Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That, that is one of my biggest um, interventions yeah. when I'm teaching is that is me throwing myself under the bus in terms of moments where I've either made a mistake or when I have been made to feel like I didn't yeah. belong. And either group that's in that room, that moment can go, whoa, okay, I can relate to that. Right. You know, um, particularly when I tell the story about being challenged with my male privilege, a lot of people go, oh, yeah, that's exactly how I feel when people tell me right. that. And then go, but we can overcome that. Right. Yes. And and I've seen people go, all right, you, yeah. you got me thinking. Yeah. Right. So, Wow. Anything else we want to want to add in there? Man, we, we like, talked about a we lot. Went, we started in one place. We ended in a very different I place. Know. I'm cool with that. But I think it all <laughs> comes together. You know what I mean? I, I think it, at the end of the day, that there's a lot of work to be done. There are a yeah. lot of interventions that need to be done on both sides. That yeah. yes, you know, marginalized groups need to think about how they build up their their own self esteem and their own self image and self uh, love. But right. also groups that are systems that exist to oppress and to make us feel like we aren't strong and don't belong and the people who work to uphold those systems must also be called to task as well yeah. um, that both those things must happen simultaneously yeah. and that it is not our possibility um, to to change the way you know to to change our own situation ourselves because we're not the one who put us in the situation yeah. and that's my issue with this whole growth mindset thing is that the way it's presented is that it's the end all be all and this is all we need to do and then we're good right and that's bullcrap so Whatever. Um, yeah. Thank you for being here, Alex. I really appreciate it. I know oh, you're busy. Thanks for having it's me. Like I, we we started <laughs> at seven thirty, and we've been recording for a little over an hour. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah oh my yeah. gosh. Well, I hope um, you edit it down. Oh no. I, I put it up exactly the way it is. Okay. I, I, I want people. <laughs> I, I think people will be fine. So far, I've gotten really good responses to the podcast. I want more. I haven't checked to see people who have subscribed and if anyone's rated it or or what's the name but speaking of that subscribe on itunes to the podcast yeah. i'm gonna go check probably this weekend to see but i also would love to see some reviews what are you thinking you know what's going well with the podcast what do you like what do you don't like um you can subscribe on itunes you can also follow my page on soundcloud and you can also email me um at let's unpack that podcast at gmail.com with any comments or questions um i love questions and i would love to start answering some questions that people might have about future topics or topics that we've already covered um, would be awesome. And you can also visit the website at let's unpack that podcast.com. And I'm your host, Cornell. And Alex, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you next time. Bye.